Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sarah, Daniel and Aito to discuss the creating of a good company culture in gaming. Before we begin, let's start with some introductions. Sarah, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Hi, everyone. I am Sarah and I work as an operations manager for Thunderful. Uh, I have a very broad role, which includes some HR and recruitment assistance and just making sure things run smoothly and gets done. Uh, could be event management, plan, pride, parade participations or just buying stickers. Basically things that the company may want or need, but that no one else has the time for. Uh, I'm also the producer for a small team working on DLC content for Sack by Big Adventure and I work on social media for our Thunderful office here in Karlsson, also known as The Station, and I'm located in Sweden. Awesome intro, lovely. Daniel, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, I can. So hi everyone, my name is Daniel Roska. I'm a lead producer here at Bossa Studios in London. Um, previously, like my last title has been I Am Fish that has been released uh, last year. Before that, it was in a couple of under, other studios around uh, mostly Germany. So yeah, I'm German and uh, besides that, yeah, mostly specialized on um, company culture and uh, team culture within my career. And yeah, lovely to be here. Thank you. Awesome. And finally, Aito, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, uh, thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Aito, and I'm a game developer that has been making games for the better part of uh, two decades now. I have worked at big and small companies from AAA studios to indie games. I started in QA and gone through localization, community management, modding, design, production, publishing, and now I'm the executive producer at Underdog Studio. We're a fully remote team, part of CI Games Group, and uh, we're working on the Sniper Ghost Warrior franchise, and it's a pleasure to meet you all here today. Fantastic. All right. So everyone has a question on creating a good company culture in gaming. So let's start with Sarah. Sarah, what is your question and the context behind it? Yes, I would like to discuss how you create a healthy and positive culture in your team and in your company. And the reason behind this is I did some research and um, there's a company called Take This that with other partners did a report called State of the Industry in 2019, which revealed some alarming things. Um, 53% of game developers reported that crunch is an expected component of their employment. And it also showed and discussed that workers with supportive supervisors reported less negative health issues. And that one third of the of the game developers remain in the industry for 10 years only. Um, and at the same time, we have a huge hunger for senior staff. Um, so I wanted to discuss this question. I think it's it's important. So how do you create a healthy and positive culture in your team? Lovely. I would like Daniel to start us off on this one. What are your thoughts? Oh my God, I didn't know. I didn't expect to go first, but oh, okay. So uh, no, that's a very good question. So. Um, if my take on it is like just broadly speaking, obviously you lead by example. Um, like if you want to create a, co a healthy company culture, you have to express that in yourself as in uh, in the leadership position. What I mean with that, if I can go into a little bit into the detail, is um, if you don't overwork, you don't imply that you're expecting something like that from your team colleagues as well. Um, if you don't crunch. You don't, you don't expect that your team as well. I had a couple of situations in my past where um, me working overtime or like 
doing night shifts or stuff like that, doing very work heavy uh, periods of time that got immediately brought back by uh, back to me like a boomerang where people were like, yeah, especially right now in the time where we're all working from home or in part hybrid or something like that. Um, people were like, it's harder to keep track of people and their times. And most of the, like many times people have been justifying them doing overtime because we are in the games industry. People are passionate about a game, best case. So it's easy to fall into that trap of doing longer hours when you're working from home and just making sure that um, you give them the opportunity to address that, um, that you give them the opportunity to, that, that you create a circle of trust within your team or in, yeah, in whatever your tribe is looking like um, within the company, um, that you give them the opportunity to voice these concerns, that you know that they know that they can address them to you, that they also feel confident and that they, you're taking them seriously and that you're addressing them. Um, what I want to say is like, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, sorry about that, but what I, what I want to say with that is um, just create, as, like start with trust, so, like giving trust to your team and giving trust in advance, going 50% of the way as the first person and show that you're vulnerable, show that you are also not perfect and try to basically live by example, like in within the, uh, within your company. I'm sorry, I, like, I have butchered that a little bit, but I hope it get, that got across as well, uh, nevertheless. Um, because yeah, I think, I think the best part, the, 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 the easiest way to introduce a healthy and positive culture and proactively create one is just it's just easier that it sounds easy living by example, but it's not because you constantly ever have to remind yourself also of these of these things. What is healthy for yourself? What is a positive way to approach work? A constructive way, um, because people people look at you like the and and people take take you as an example on how they are expected to work, and if you subconsciously create this kind of expectation you will create without knowing a culture that is not necessarily necessarily healthy or constructive in any way and just to leave with one quote i forgot who said that so i'm sorry about that i might have to read it up later um but leaders create culture that is that is something that that stuck with me and it's uh if you ever doubt doubt, doubt that you you're just writing emails over the course of the day or uh, that that your outcome is not measurable necessarily remind yourself of that like it's our it's our job to create culture and make sure that people have an environment that they can grow and flourish in awesome i like it i'm gonna go to a auto um what are your thoughts yeah uh, thank you, Daniel. I think uh, you, you made uh, some really good points, and I, I agree with uh, a lot of the things that you said. I think that it starts from the top with the leadership team really believing in it and making efforts to show it to the rest. Uh, I think it's uh, you know the the talk the talk and walk the walk, as they say, and not caving in to the pressures of daily work. Uh, as usually, culture is the first thing that a lot of people compromise when they go and get stuff. Uh, so I, I think it requires having a group of people so committed to it that are willing to show others and even call out others when they're doing something that goes against the values of that culture. And uh, touching on, on a couple of the things that you mentioned, uh, keeping track of time, that's, uh, that's so true, especially when you're working on this uh, hybrid or, or remote environment. And uh, I mean, one of the things that I, I like about uh, working remotely is that it allows me to uh, 
basically decide how I want to allocate my time. And I believe that we have the tools nowadays uh, to, to be able to do it efficiently, uh, but we have to be mindful about that. Uh, I mean, in my case, for my personal circumstances, uh, I, I do my regular work. And if I have to, to finish something, maybe I cannot do it straight away, like at five, six, when most people usually finish their, their work uh, and, and instead I do it at night, uh, but you know, sending an email at 10 p.m. or sending a Slack message at 10 p.m. is is not a good way of showing that culture that you want to create. So I'm always mindful to you know maybe schedule the the message to be delivered the next morning, or you know even if you cannot do it, leave it prepared so you don't forget. Make a note, put it on a post-it, and and remember to do it in the morning. So I, I think those those little things help, but I, I totally agree with you that uh, it starts from the top and, and we have as leaders, we have to show the way and hope that others will follow. I like it. Before we go back to you, Daniel, I want to give uh, Sarah a chance. Uh, Sarah, how have you uh, thought about this question? Because obviously for you to ask it, uh, you had a few thoughts yourself. Yeah. Um... I've been thinking not only like uh, the crunching and the project and how you work on that, but also um, the things around it. So like creating a healthy work-life balance, for example, I think is very important. Um, we have a thing here at Thunderful called wellness hours, which basically means you get two hours each week that you can use for uh, anything that makes you feel good. It can be like going to the gym or getting a massage or play tennis with some friends. Um, you know, just making sure that everyone feels good out of work as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's very important. We have some other perks in Sweden, uh, very long uh, parental day leave, for example. We go for walks every day because, you know, we spend so much time by the computer. Um, so it's very important to get moving as well. And I also think that inclusion uh, plays a very big role here um, on creating a healthy and positive culture. Uh, you know, starting at a new company can be very scary. And uh, maybe you're moving to a new town where you don't know anyone. Uh, for some people that might be fine. You know, everyone's very different. Uh, maybe you want time to yourself. Some people crave some social activities. Um, so I think that we should also focus on, on more like events outside of work, not just after work, uh, maybe play some, some board games or something. Uh, we frequently have what we call sketch fika. A fika is a Swedish word <laughs> where you eat pastries and drink coffee together. Uh, so they, they get together and draw things. Uh, maybe you go bowling and make sure you invite new employees. I think that's very important to creating a healthy and positive culture. Uh, and especially now that we are working so remote all the time and you can't like meet in real life. Yeah. Nice one. What are you thinking? Oh, like Sarah touched there on a couple of very good points. Like obviously, like high level speaking, leading by example is is the obvious choice, right? But um, when it comes to the nitty gritty on how to establish like and bring in a healthy, like live a healthy culture and like live that every day, I think um, what do you what do you what do you just say? Is just like in in general like a great start. Um, and we in our position, like especially right now on this on this podcast as like uh, middle and senior management, it's uh, we are the closest to the team. We are the closest to the people and that they're doing their daily job and and just to keep an eye out and on, on, on their needs and just spot signs of certain like potentially negative developments early 
um, it's in our like it's in our it's our duty basically to raise these concerns early and figure out how to tackle that. And I think especially in the times that we're living right now with expectations that come, especially when you're joining the games industry, you mentioned before, Sarah, that there's a huge turnaround right now in, in, in games. And why is that? That is in part because the conditions and that people are working in the games industry are not necessarily optimal. And it's let's not fool ourselves people can if a developer gets well better better paid if they go for something like finance or co uh, or communications or communications or something else like that so it's 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 relevant that we keep an eye out on how we can make that can make their stay like as comfortable as possible and just value their work and something that i wanted to add on that what you just said is um what i found works best for me is just be silly uh like uh it's it's uh, we're we're not artists we are not create art we we're not developers like and, and, and unlike unlike you I told you you have been everything it seems like but uh, like the way we create something is like you can create experiences you can create events you can create something that is memorable memories basically and uh, what we do at Bossa for example that I have established as part of my team every Monday morning we don't have stand up we come together as a team in a call and we just do stupid stuff like we 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 have a telephone game Gartic session, just drawing stuff that we share later. Uh, we play stupid games together just to come together and celebrate the fact that we are working together on something cool. Um, because that's something that you can easily forget. You're working on a game. We don't do hard surgery, right? In the games industry, we are, we are there to provide entertainment. And how can someone that feels miserable every day that they come to work do something that is enjoyable for others? 100%. Uh, that's reminded me of what we do here because on our stand-up, after we have the quick time, we always play a game of global or just a random game just to bring everyone together. And yeah, it just takes five, ten minutes. And it's just good fun. Bit of banter. Bit of a leaderboard as well we've got going on now. So like the winner at the end of the month gets a piece of cake or something silly. Uh, Aitor. What are your thoughts based on what Daniel said? Yeah, I think that uh, both Sarah and, and Daniel touched on a very important point, I think, uh, in, in terms of uh, the situation in the industry. And you, you quote that uh, data about uh, people staying in the industry for about 10 years. And I mean, if, if that's the case nowadays, I think it's it's positive because a few years ago, I reached out to IGDA and, and the data that they gave me back then was about four, four to five years and people were, were churning out of the industry after four or five years and, and that's obviously very concerning and I think it's one of the big issues that we have in terms of, of finding senior talent uh, that we desperately need in, in so many areas uh, to, to make great games uh, is because we haven't taken care of our people. So uh, I, I think uh, definitely investing more in in creating a great culture, being all mindful and, and knowing that we, we all play a part uh, on, on creating that culture, no matter what your role is, is from you know, the president of the company to like the, the newest person joining the team in no matter what, what role, everybody can contribute to it. And, and we can all make sure that we create a better environment. Uh, one of the things uh, that I, I really appreciated in, in my previous job, we had these uh, surveys uh, going on every six months, roughly, where you know we every employee got asked like a bunch of questions, uh, sort of team health survey. And uh, one of the of the questions that we always got like really good ratings on from everyone on the team was their ability to speak up their mind without fear of consequences. And 
is is one of the the areas that I was most proud of, because that's the the base to create dialogue that people can free can can freely express their minds without you know fearing for it. I, how did you do that, Aito? Like, why do you think that was the case? Like, well, I mean, just being being open to receive feedback and and creating a safe space. I mean, we we did a lot of one-on-ones. Uh, every manager with their team had like weekly one-on-ones or bi-weekly one-on-ones, uh, where it's typically easier to ask those hard questions uh, rather than in front of everybody else. So I think that's that's a very important thing, and I think in in smaller companies where maybe you don't have that. Uh, layer of middle management that's one of the things that get lost because you don't have the time to to spend you know with uh, everybody on the team but i think it's quite important because usually a lot of the problems that happen in a company can be resolved through those conversations one-to-one 100 percent daniel thoughts and just just to add on that like i think item is touching a couple of very good points there like the the being authentic basically right like being authentic with your team being authentic with the the people that you're working with and um when you were asking uh harry what what, what how can you establish that is something that one of my key learnings and that i will always uh, establish within a team moving forward in my career because it has been proven to be a very good artifact out of the agile environment that has been that I have been iterating and like like to fit my needs and the team's ne- team's needs is basically having retrospectives free, uh, re- uh, frequently, but um, establish like with every game establish rules at the very beginning on how you want to approach it uh, a retrospective like just for I hope everyone knows what I mean with a retrospective just coming together as a team having a very safe space where you establish as part of a disclaimer upfront as a producer or whatever um, hey nothing that is being said in this room in this group is leaving this room without the full consent of the full group um everything stays in here and you would be you would be surprised like maybe not even with your first retrospective but with this with your third or fourth retrospective that even the the person who's the most silent will speak up and say i'm concerned about this this is bothering me what can we do about this right only good experiences for that and that allows you in your position as a leader to with the consent of the team to take this out of this meeting and put it into action and um, by you taking action on those concerns that are raised by the team you establish a level of trust that you can not buy with any any amount of sweets um, it's, it's like just action makes like action makes it matter. Do you do that weekly, uh, Daniel? The retros. Uh, we have done it in the past monthly. Right now we are on a uh, like bi-monthly rhythm. Okay. So every, every two months. Um, uh, due so it's to the not a small event. It's a big event. It's a big event. Yeah. yeah. And due to the fact that we have our sprints last two weeks, so every four sprints we basically have one of those meetings because there's a then there's an, a critical mess to talk about. And there has been enough time between the last one, last retrospective to see the impact of the decisions and the actions that have been taken. And that is usually has usually a very good impact on how we work together and what things need to be iterated to become a better team. Awesome. I'll bring this to Sarah and then we'll move on to the next question. Sarah, thoughts? Yeah, um, I just want to thank you so much for your input and your thoughts. It's uh, very, very interesting to hear. Uh, I had a like a, a thought or a question for Daniel uh, because it seems that you have um, a great structure for your for your team, and I know our um, 
the other team here in Karlsam also have retrospectives um, and our teams are rather small, you know, like super small, but like it's one thing to do it with a, with a smaller team, but how do you do like retrospectives and those sort of things with a, with a big, I, I have no idea how big your team is, <laughs> but uh, any, any thoughts on, uh, on the, for the people or the the companies that may have bigger teams on how to do these sort of meetings. Yeah. So how big is a big team, right? Like uh, yeah, in my yeah, in yeah. my in my case, I'm we're talking about twenty five to thirty five people. Okay, Easy. that's the same. Yeah, same here. So <laughs> if, if we're talking about the same size, then uh, usually it's highly moderated. That's easy as that. So like working in a remote environment, we use software. We use Team Retro for that, which is. Uh, has a lot of automata- uh, automation that makes it easier to moderate and facilitate. Um, but but there is just following a certain process to make sure that working with working with post-its, working with brainstorming, working with grouping, and then wor- working with voting, and taking or usually the top five that have been voted on of groups that are like topics that are relevant to the whole team, and discuss them in detail, and then. Um, abstract from that actionables that needs to be taken. So it's 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 rather straightforward even for a larger group. It scales quite well, um, but it's for the moderator and in this case me, it's it's definitely a fair chunk of work, which is also one of the reasons why I don't want to do it monthly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, just the aftermath as well because you want to make sure that everything is communicated with everyone, like all the actionables that have been communicated within that retrospective, and that you can actually put it into action because otherwise, like, yeah, well, for what do you do that in the first place? Nice. That's some a very close, good point. Now. Thank you, guys. Uh, some closing thoughts, Aito? Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, I wanted to ask uh, also a question to, to Daniel uh, related to, to this because uh, we've we've run uh, Retro, I mean, working in, in Agile is uh, a common ceremony. And one of the things that uh, we've struggled is uh, actually with, uh, you know, making sure that those action points that that uh, get discussed uh, actually get taken care of. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to to hear if uh, if you have something to share. How how do you guys deal with that? How do you make sure that when you get to your next uh, retrospective in in two months? You're gonna have something to to show that progress to the team. Exactly, quite straightforward because you have been touching that point previously. It's about shared ownership of the product that you're working on, like that that kind of authenticity that you make sure that everyone in the team feels like they're working together in something that they have have a certain level of ownership on, and then they also have ownership of the team and they have ownership of the process. So that's in their intrinsic interest to move these actionable forwards. That is sounds quite abstract, <laughs> but, uh, but so let me break it down to giving the people the like not just the opportunity to speak up, but also tell them it's us to make this reality and not me. But at the end of the day, again, as an as as a person in a leadership position, you unfortunately in the uh, the one kicking people in the butt to make sure stuff gets done. So I just have a list of the all the actionables that we usually define, and I remind people of what they like what they said they wanted to put into action. It's like, hey, next retrospective is uh, like coming coming closer. Like, how how are you looking at this? Like, did we make did we see any movement on that? And just slight nudges here and there, being the human reminder for people that they don't put in their calendar. Awesome. Lovely. Let's move on to the next question. Daniel, what is your question and the context behind it? 
Jeez, I feel like I'm talking all the time. Um, so my question was, how do you establish a full remote culture? Because that is something that we have been touching already as part of this conversation quite a bit. If I can give a little bit of context, obviously, we know what happened in the last two years with, you know, that COVID situation that might, might wasn't a little bit here and there in the news and like transitioning, obviously, then from many companies were transitioning from office uh only to hybrid and then eventually to fully remote or then again now to hybrid again specifically for me it was quite a, quite a challenge because i was be working back then when covid hit, i was working from germany uh, the team in the uk and i didn't know how to i didn't know how to establish a culture when i was remote as the and i have never met my team and uh while i in the beginning i thought that was a temporary thing it became more and more of a permanent thing to a degree where now my whole company is remote only and uh i still haven't seen everyone on my team in real life but it was quite a challenge it, it was a quite a challenge to establish that kind of healthy and positive culture that we have been speaking about before uh with sarah's question so my question is more aiming towards how do you do that when you don't see each other in person great i want to first move to sarah Sarah, what are you thinking? Yeah, this is a very tough question and I would like to get some good answers here too. Uh, but I think that um, it is about making sure that everyone feels included and well informed since you can't just, you know, go tap on someone's shoulder and ask for advice or meet up in the kitchen and grab a coffee and chit chat. So like set up a clear and easily accessible way to communicate. Um, daily meetings, stand-ups in the morning, so everyone knows what's going on and what everyone's doing. Uh, lots of fun on online afterworks as well. Uh, if someone listening has not heard of Jackbox or Gartic phone, you should definitely try it. It's amazing. Uh, easy way to have fun together with your team. Uh, but but it is a very tough question. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send it over to Aito <laughs> to continue. Go for it, Aito. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very interesting question to me because at Underdog we're now working fully remote as well, and and we're trying to create or improve that that culture. And in my opinion, it's all about trust. Uh, show the people the, the destination of where you want to get, and show them the tools to get there. But let them find the path by by themselves and use every opportunity you have to reinforce those those things that are important to you. Um, a small practical example, one of the things that I, I noticed when I, I joined the company was that there were many meetings that were being held a bit ad hoc and people were not switching on their cameras. Maybe they were doing it on, on Slack or, uh, you know, uh, specifically, I, I, I noticed if, if uh, the software you're using doesn't allow you to have this uh, background effect, you know, people are more reticent to it. Uh, so technology definitely plays a part, but we know that it's, it's very important for communication communication uh, to be able to see the other person because a lot of communication happens non-verbally. Uh, so in my case, I made a conscious effort uh, to swap at every meeting with the camera on and slowly more and more people were getting comfortable to turn theirs on as well. And there's always uh, a group of people who are more reticent to it. And after a couple of months, we nudge them to, to do it. And, and recently we've been having more meetings where basically everyone uh, has been turning on their cameras and I think it makes the communication uh, so much easier. Uh, so that's, that's just the one small example, but ultimately it's about finding those advocates for those values that you want to promote and 
empowering them to you know evangelize uh, the values to the rest of the team and also highlighting when certain behaviors align with those values that, that you want to promote and, and calling those out because sometimes you know we take things for granted i just wanted to say i mean the reason we started this podcast was because of covid and another thing we started was because of covid was when we went remote fully and we just basically stole the Swedish Scrum and Fika situation. So we have two daily stand-ups. Uh, now that we're a bigger team, so we have like 15 minutes with the whole team, right after 15 minutes with like me for like the gaming team. And then we have Fikas if everyone's working from home, like on a Thursday or Friday, which is common. We have half an hour in the day where we actually chat. And on those stand-ups every day, we go through like targets. So we go through our targets for that we did yesterday, targets for today. And then we have a mini retro on the Friday. And when you ha have that, when everyone's remote, I feel like it just connects everyone in so many ways because you have a connection point in the morning, again, kind of to box off the previous day, what you've done. And we set ambitious targets. We don't hit them every day, but you're putting that out in the ether and you have something to go. And I feel like you can all blend together if you're not having that. And like Aito said, everyone has their camera on for every meeting. You don't really have the choice uh, like to turn it off, for example. And yeah, we're trying to make it fun. Sometimes the retro ends quicker. So we usually use up the rest of the time playing a game. So we try to respect the fact that if we have 30 minutes and there's not that much to do or you don't have a call straight after that you need to prepare for, you know, we use that time to actually stay together, stay connected. Uh, that's kind of like how, how Evo does it, evolution. Uh, Sarah, what are you thinking? I, I think that Fika should be an international thing that everyone should, uh, should copy. Uh, Fika is the best. Um, but I just wanted to like talk about that everyone is so different in what in what they need and want. You no, know? um, someone may just want to have their ca camera off and just sit and make games all day. Uh, you know, uh, for example, our design team spends like almost their entire workday on Discord. They may not even talk to each other, but they they sit there in case they need each other. So that's like one way to communicate. Um, and stand-ups, of course, I think that stand-ups are so common now. I think almost everyone does them. Um, maybe not every day, but um, two a day I've never heard of, but <laughs> that's one way. But yeah, everyone's so different, you know? Yeah, 100%. I'm going to bring that back to Daniel just to hear what he's done, uh, obviously, now that he's gone remote first. Uh, so how have you tackled this? First of all, I wanted to thank both of you because I, like a, a lot of things that you have been saying like resonate a lot with me, especially what you have said, uh, Ito, about like coming from a place of trust. I would extend that to say, uh, to, 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 to personally say that you should not come just from a place of trust, but also from a place of gratitude. Like um, not everyone is tech savvy. And like for a lot of people, it's an effort to like turn up in the morning and, and put on their web camera. Like I, I say it like that, but then not everyone is tech as tech savvy as like the developers that you have on your team. And just to make sure that they they feel seen and they feel valued in what they are contributing to the team in a uh, in a like needless to say, not like not easy situation for a couple of people, right? Like uh, isolation was uh, a big, no, I'm gonna like nice segue to what I wanted to say. Um, isolation has been playing a huge part over the course of the last two years for me, especially when I was working with my team and making like, because there I have a couple of people on my team who are in the risk group and who cannot see anyone outside of, uh, couldn't see anyone for a long time. And just um, to make sure that they feel seen um, and that they feel connected meant a lot of over communication 
by I would say like better over communicate than under communicate. I don't know if that's a word. I'm not a native speaker. Don't judge me for it. Um, but you you get you get the idea. So um, it's 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 very well it's very important for me that um, I take like I sacrifice like, I prefer to sacrifice my time and talk with more people to make sure that they feel connected to the team that they're working on and that they're not just a faceless uh, a faceless bubble in Slack. Um, but that people know that there's a person behind that a person with their own needs, a person with their own like burdens to like and daily challenges to tackle. And um, again, like coming back to the to, to the purpose of this podcast, obviously, is like for us as leaders, it's important to keep that in mind, to make sure that these these people are not just numbers and that way we can also decrease potential churn. Because uh, if people don't feel seen, if people don't feel valued, especially in like very challenging situations like that, they will look somewhere else. Like you're not leaving. You you they don't you don't usually don't quit your job because you don't not happy with it. You you quit your job because you're not happy with your manager, and it's usually because you have you don't feel seen, you don't feel valued, or you don't feel feel gratified for to the degree, degree that you were expecting. And that's why that's why I said like come from a place of trust, come from a place of gratitude, make feel uh, make people feel seen and valued within your team, especially when you're in mode. hundred percent. I'd second that. And just to clarify, two stand-ups, they're 15 minutes each. So we're not talking crazy things like it's half an hour, one smack after the other. Uh, Eitor, do you have any extra thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to touch upon that uh, that topic uh, regarding the, the daily stand-ups and, and overall like meeting fatigue because uh, one of the of the comments that I've heard, uh, you know, is, is especially when you're working remotely, people feel that they constantly swamp with meetings. And I mean, it's maybe because of how things work when you are working remotely that, you know, all the meetings happen virtually. Uh, but but I think meeting fatigue is uh, is a real thing. And uh, in our case, for example, uh, at Underdog right now, we're not doing daily stand-ups. Uh, we're doing uh, the stand-up every other day because the team has decided that's that's the right cadence for them to try to get more more work done. Uh, but I, I wanted to to hear your thoughts, uh, Sarah, Daniel, and Harry. What do you guys think about meeting fatigue? I might actually copy that because I think it's a good idea. So events that we have introduced as part of our comp uh, team culture, not just company culture, but specifically team culture to make sure that people feel seen despite the daily standard that we have already the Monday mornings that I've been talking about where we just meet and play Gartic phone. I'm happy to hear that Sarah is doing something similar because that means it's spreading. It's very good. Um, but uh, what we also introduced were like having just chat windows um, where we were just jumping on a huddle. So no one had in like huddles. You don't have to have a camera on. It's just just voice. And it was working nicely. We haven't done it for a while because participation went, rate went down because people started being busy uh, as we are now entering a more like work heavy uh, phase of our project. And so I'm on the on the on the lookout for what else I can introduce that is maybe less of a compromise in time because yeah, like our days are quite meeting heavy because we don't see each other at the water cooler anymore, right? And you still want to uh, enable people to have a certain communication and make sure that all no 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 wires are crossing and stuff like that. So um yeah, it's it's quite tricky, but I will I will definitely try out that Fika concept 
that you have been advocating for because that sounds like a good idea. No, 100%. And on meeting fatigue, uh, maybe it's different. Obviously, I'm in recruitment. It's a completely different industry. But when we're working remotely, especially, uh, other than the stand-ups, it's a fika, which is half an hour. And if you happen to have a call that you can't move, you don't have to join. Uh, so I'm not sure in game development how often you actually do meetings or you need the meetings. But for us, in terms of a meeting where everyone's in the same room, it's basically half an hour in the morning every day. And other than that, if you're in the office, you have your water cooler moments. And also if you if working from home, like for a whole week, then you usually have a check in with the team or we tend to be quite active on Slack as well if we do need anything. Uh, Sarah, thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, the, the basic, of course, is to have structured meetings so that they don't take up too much time. Um, we have, for example, a a meeting with all the producers where we voice our questions and concern and then go to check-ins uh, for all the projects. We have uh, meeting agendas for, I think, every meeting that we have. Um, so, for example, our HR meeting, we have like, do I have a point? Do um, my lead have a point? Do the HR manager have a point, for example? So we take turns um, talking about our, our needs. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably my my biggest tip to make sure that all of the meetings are structured and that they don't take up too much time, more time than they need. But on the other hand, Daniel, you mentioned being silly. I absolutely love that. I love being silly <laughs> if, if there's time for it. Uh, not too much, but laughing is important, I think. And if you can have fun for five minutes during or before or after the meeting, that's that's great. So I think adding a bit of humor and just laughing together is fun so that it's not just you know strict meetings um where you have the agenda and then you leave yeah. fantastic uh daniel any final thoughts yeah just um because i think i didn't even answer Ida's question there uh, like probably um but um regarding the fatigue um what what i'm trying to establish right now also within my teams and what we have started with the latest project that we are working on is to make sure that everyone knows that everyone in slack is approachable that we we have communication guidelines like team pillars where like people know i have it's it's part of our team culture that i can approach anyone on my team at any moment and just send a message and that we can have this kind of asynchronous com communication and we don't necessarily need to have a one-on-one -on -one. i just send you a message when i have an issue without like if, if it's important i will i will go into a dedicated channel like a dev channel or something like that and send a short ad here out there so to make sure that more than one person sees it but if it's just for one person um everyone is approachable that helps to decrease the meetings um as well as making like holding people accountable to who they are inviting to make sure that if someone is optional then mark them as optional so they can say okay i will not go to that meeting because i really have too much stuff on my plate and i don't i don't want to send, send me the memo after um for more design heavy meetings right now we're t uh, going more in a direction where we record the we the meetings because google hangouts is support like supporting that option and we just record them and put them on conference so people can look them up later in their own time so a little bit of asynchronity there that which, which helps as well to declutter everyone's calendar and one thing that i wanted to mention because uh sarah just brought me to uh, like remi reminded me of it it's like that being silly part um we also do now uh, every second team event that we like that we have is virtual so um we have in-person team events where everyone is coming together it's 
Obviously, it's optional. No, it's no man, not mandatory to uh, appear. But we also have virtual ones. We just buy Steam keys for one game, jump on the Discord, and just shoot each other for three hours straight. And it's a, uh, it doesn't have to be shooting. That you get the idea. But um, that is also that having that mix of virtual presence, team events for people that are still not feeling comfortable, like meeting up with people. Um, has been proven to be very valuable for us as a team. And also, like in regards to the culture, to make sure no one is running short, because especially with working from home and not everyone being able to come into the office for a team event because they not feel, don't feel comfortable or they just moved out to the countryside because it was no longer necessary with fully remote to live in the city. Um, that has helped us a lot also to like nurture that kind of uh, team culture that we wanted to have as fully remote company. Nice one, I like it. Uh, just to kind of close off the remote uh, question, I'm just curious, uh, practically, like tech-wise, uh, we use Slack for like the Nordics team, but we have teams across the business. So if I need to message anyone, I can do it there. And the meetings are all done on Teams. Uh, I'm guessing that's not the case for everyone because I just heard obviously Google Hangouts. Some people use Discord, some people use Slack. Uh, what happens when they're, like, do, do, if you are using discord or google hangouts or slack is everyone using that is there like subgroups like how do you manage that uh sarah what do you think uh so we use slack uh throughout because we have um we do not only have our offices in sweden we have in the uk and germany and spain and people all over europe so we need to be able to reach each other so we all have a workspace on slack where we can reach it uh, reach each other very easily the discord is for the call sum office we have that prior to being acquired by thunderful so we just keep on going so we have our stand-ups there um, but we mainly use slack uh, for for the quick communications and I absolutely love Slack, especially the remind me thing that they have. You can be reminded of all the tasks you have, but you don't have time for right now. So yeah, that's how we do it. I love the remind me thing. That's basically my list to do things. And yeah, mine too. Someone <laughs> says, someone says, chat to me in two months. I'll be like, oh, boom, that's on a list somewhere now. I won't forget it. Uh, awesome. Let's move on to the final question. Ayoto, what is your question and the context behind it? Sure. So my question is, uh, if you're happy with your company culture, how do you protect it? And is it possible? And uh, the context, I mean, is uh, we, we've been talking about what it takes to create a great uh, culture and, and it's hard work, right? Like, it, it takes a lot. And, and once you have it, you know, you, you want to make sure that you don't lose it. And there are many events that, that can change that. I mean, Sarah, you mentioned about, you know, acquisition through another company or just by the sheer growth of, of your own company if you're hiring a lot of people in a short amount of time. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to, to hear your thoughts on what you guys think uh, you can do to protect it and whether it's possible or not. Awesome. I'll go to Daniel for this. Daniel, what's been your experience? Me again. I don't know. Like I said, I just feel like I'm talking all the time, but... Um... I think that's a very tough one. I would have liked to hear first what Sarah would have said, but um, since I don't have that. Uh, so I think, especially with the last example that you gave, uh, either when you were like have like get new people into the team, like especially if it's just a flood of people, or you just suddenly are facing a situation where you have 10, 20 new people that are joining a team or a some sort of group increment, um, and they have an like established culture. First of all, I think to protect your culture, and keep it like that. Obviously, it's important that you are aligned with HR and HR is aligned with the teams and the company's values to make sure that you're filtering already towards 
uh, a certain audience of uh, applicants and people that then go in later interview rounds and then potentially eventually become t uh, team members that are a fit for the company culture and the team culture that you're looking for. You don't want to like the worst case scenario is if no one cares about company culture and you just get dropped in resources or talents that are not a fit for the company culture at all just because they look nice on paper. Worst case scenario because that <clears throat> will it's, it's not good for them. It's not good for your team. It will just cause friction and eventually make like have the team atmosphere and the, the, the healthy culture that you have created suffer. Um, and it's a really tough cookie to get that on a healthy track again without cutting off the person that was becoming in the first place. If you have that happen with 20 people, as even it's it's I I wouldn't know how to solve this situation. It would just be too messy. But let's say realistic scenario, you get people in that have been going through a filter that already were part of the company best case and know already are accustomed to the values that you have as a company and just join a new team or that are coming from a company with similar values. Um, I think it's important, again, talking from a leadership perspective, that you establish context as soon as possible. And um, while it's important to bring people on the same page in regards to what is the product, what is the vision, what are we working towards, what are our goals as a company and work, what are our goals as a team, these are all nice. But at the end of the day, they have to also agree and be aligned uh, be aligned to the team's values. And that's where I have a dedicated slide deck that every time someone joins the team, I, I pull out to give give a refresher or a course of a stand-up or something like that to the whole team or just the, the, just the new, newcomers and be like, hey, you're working now with us? This, this These are the core values of our team. This is how we communicate. This is how be, these are our best practices. And by the way, this is your lead. And these are the leads of the other disciplines within the team. If you have any questions or problems, just ask. And if there's anything that is concerning you, or if you feel like uh, something is got, not going the right way, just ask. Like direct communication with the people that are coming new to your team, making sure that they, uh, they agree to the rules that you have established as a team because they are they are coming in new so you want to hear their input as well but for that they first have to agree to the rules that you have established and once they agree to that and once they are participating in all the kind of rituals that you have as a team um, invite them to propose new ideas because that's like the the, the beauty of diverse having a diverse team and bringing in new fresh ideas and uh, lenses into a team that these people have different experiences that you can evaluate and in best case have like like also inter integrate into the company uh, into your team and company culture that you already have established and it just makes it better I so like it was it. a very lengthy answer <laughs> no because it's important right because it starts with who are you introducing to your culture and you don't want to be firefighting you'd rather be filtering before that you have to firefight right and that is easier said than done especially if you're bringing on someone very quickly or you just don't have the time to have five interviews, but uh, just making the most of your interview time. I think that's the most important thing because uh, I've seen a few interviews where you have an hour, but only half of it was used effectively. And we could have used that time to kind of fish out uh, whether it'd be a good culture fit. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Daniel, you said that you wanted to hear my answer, but my answer will be very similar to yours. Uh, yeah, I also think that the the 
it's very important that whatever your culture is, it shines through as early as in, in the recruitment stage. So making sure that people applying for a position with your company knows what your values are, what you stand for, what your perks are, what your perks are, and what policies are expected uh, by them to be followed, and in return, what the the company policies are. Um, so, you know, first off, making sure that the employees you hire know your culture in advance to starting. And I feel like the culture is set by company management, but then it's fulfilled and followed by the staff. It's them that is the culture at the company. Um, so you need to treasure your staff, obviously, and making sure that they feel comfortable and knowing how to raise issues very important and to address their issues ASAP so that they feel heard. And I think that's a good start to protecting your culture, to make sure that they know your culture and making sure that they feel heard when something is off. Yeah. So I think it's, it's important to start already in the recruitment phase, you know, making sure that your career, career page is updated and um, answering uh, or asking questions rather than in the first interview. And, but yeah, it's, it's hard, Harry, you mentioned when you have interviews, when you don't have so much time for interviews and you just, just need to hire someone. But then making sure, I, I love that you have the the presentation uh, when someone joins your team, Daniel. I think that's very smart. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I'm just thinking my, my time when I joined Evolution, I think I spoke to like nine different people, not nine different interviews, but I get to saw the gaming team. I got to saw two different teams and the manager and then the boss's manager and Again, first interview felt like a culture fit, but also just to see like where my head is at and I didn't feed it at the time, but then you think back and you're like, okay, cool. That's how they're kind of filtering in a sense. And it's different when it's perm, like from a contract perspective, if you're doing a two, three stage interview, there is still a lot you can get out in half an hour. I feel like if you really plan your interviews and you don't have to do it for each one, just, you know, I've sit down and think, okay, what do I want to get out of it? What values am I looking for? Uh, and yeah, I wonder if Daniel has something to say about that. <laughs> How do you know? Okay, yeah, but you 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 make a good point there. Like from from my perspective, like I always treat everyone in the team as like as they are my team. And why I say that, like especially when it comes to contractors, uh, you you mentioned Harry, like you you don't have usually the time to skim through contractors because you are looking for something very specific and in a short amount of time usually, and you don't have the time to specific look are they the perfect culture fit but i would argue you have to make the time because um when it comes to the three p's people process product i would always put people first and say when they are the right people for the job culture wise they will do good do a good job at the end like they will they will be productive they will follow processes because you have been putting the work in before to make sure that they are good cultural fit and happy people are productive people. And that counts for everyone, not just for internal people, but also for contractors, because because you're, you're, they are on a different paycheck doesn't mean they cannot be as much valued as any internal person as well. And you've got to make sure that they, they feel valued as well and brought in properly. And uh, just, just on something that I wanted to touch really quick on the protecting part, um, that I would also like to hear everyone else's opinion on is like, uh, I have been focusing with my answer mostly about of, on external factors, obviously, like people coming new to the team. But how do you protect your culture when you're when you are the one coming new to the team? Uh, you're the external factor, like uh, you are facing a culture that is already existing. Is it worth protecting? Do you bring yourself in? How do you keep things in shape without disturbing and disturbing yourself too much? And like 
also introducing too much friction. I think that is a perfect segue to Aitor, who's literally the executive producer of <laughs> CI Games, newly joined. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a very good question, and I have I have gone through that myself uh, recently. And uh, I think uh, wh what you do, you you always have to be respectful when you get to a new place. And this is not just a specific about about this team, but in every every job where I've been, you know, I, I first tried to get there and see how things work. And and try to learn why they do things in a certain way and you know always try to to keep uh, what, what's good what works uh, no no need to to change it no reason for it uh, but then you know you you might also have your own thoughts and and a vision of how things can be improved and then it's trying to marry those two uh, and and it's a slow process right because uh, this is part of the of the change process uh, people are reactive to to change so especially with something like culture if it's been ingrained in the team for a really long time uh, you need to spend the time to explain what are the reasons that you're doing certain things and uh, you know tr trying to basically get the buy-in from from the people because ultimately you can have the best ideas in the world but if nobody believes in them you're not going to get very far so uh, I think it's uh, it's a little bit about that. It's first being, being respectful, trying to understand what works that you want to keep, that you want to incorporate, and then thinking about the changes that you want to make, what would be the best way to go about those. I want to add the power of why um, is things very important. Like is so much you get out of that question by asking it not once, but a couple of times as well, um, like why people do things. Because sometimes the reason they do things can be accomplished with something completely different which they wouldn't know and you wouldn't know that if you didn't know the reason why like assuming has been my downfall personally <laughs> just don't assume because you never know the real reason until you actually ask it and if it's two different people doing it they might have completely different reasons uh daniel do you have something to say not necessarily i was just scratching my head but yeah i think you had that's that's a that's a very good point and like thank you for all the answer i got uh, i thought it was, was, was super insightful and i I might add that a lot of stuff that uh, either Sarah and I have said on this podcast might be um, quite straightforward for some some listeners and sounds like basic human intellect, like, like with something that like you you should obviously do. Um, but then ask yourself, are you actually doing it? <laughs> because that's a different thing. Like like saying this is a common sense to to listen to your to your team. It's common sense to be mindful. It's common sense. XYZ is one thing, but the ap actual application is harder than it might sound and making sure that it's not just a, a, a single point in time where you apply it and it's like, okay, work's done. I, I have talked with my team. I, I have done the stand up. I have done a retrospective. That's good. It's a starting point, but it's just that it's a starting point and you just have to make sure that this is becoming, it only can become culture if you establish as a something that is routine as something that is part of the team without thinking about it. It just becomes natural. And at that point, you have succeeded in creating culture. 100%, 100%. I'm thinking, because we have usually weekly chats with a contractor when they start with both the client and the contractor. And it's not only for performance, but also for culture fit as well, if anything happens. And yeah, we you need to do those because there's so many things that crop up. And if you let them fester, it's very easy to fix them once if you have those check-ins. So definitely, like I'm thinking what we do at Evolution, uh, when a new person joins in, 
uh, a lot more than you know a monthly review you know daily check-ins especially if they're joining another small team a bit more extra effort and it's kind of actually an extra job responsibility i feel it should be like from the other developers to actually make sure the new person feels welcome make sure they feel happy and don't have it as like a checkbox exercise oh i chatted to him for half an hour this week that's all good really seeking to understand making sure they have a good time 100 i think we'll conclude there guys uh this has been the evo gaming podcast i want to take this opportunity to thank sarah daniel and a for joining and providing their insights and thank you all for listening at home if you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts or just want to chat, reach out to me on LinkedIn at Harry Foku. Foku is spelled P-H-O-K-O-U.